Thanks for tuning in to the ABC Music Talk podcast, the show for anyone interested in the music industry. How do you tell people about your new release? Do you post on socials? Make it available on streaming services? Play a gig? Send out a newsletter to fans? These are all part of the campaign cycle. But there is a lot of new music out there. And with algorithms and on social networks working against you and playlists being increasingly hard to get placed in, you now need to target the sorts of people who may not know you yet or have forgotten you between now and your last release. One option is to pay to get them back into your orbit, but it's daunting and it can be demoralizing when you don't know what to expect. Maybe you need some help. So my guest this week will lift the lid on paid advertising and why it can work with just a little knowledge and of course money. But first, time for me to remind you all to go road to your videos. Rotor is for artists, managers, labels, or anyone in the music industry who needs to create video content for promotion or monetization. Rotor makes it fast, easy, and inexpensive to do all of that in one place. Head to www.abcmusic.co and click the Rotor logo on the homepage to access a 10% off discount for the service. Welcome to the show, owner of the label machine, Nick Sadler. Hey. How's it going, Alex? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Hey, listen, we're doing this in real life. We are. This is, I think, the first interview I've done for a very long time in real life. That's exciting to me. It is. Um, I th- maybe as well, that, that's why it's it, we're, we're in real life. It's a bit more daunting because uh, I know I've been doing it just, you know, solo and then you're doing it over Zoom. And... Um, you know, now we're here, um, and just full disclosure, we you know we took a little bit longer to kind of get a, into the uh, the wheels moving, and I'm wondering if it is because you know we're like you're in the presence of someone. I think that's right, actually. Yeah, I I, I mean I've certainly I've done one industry mixer since uh, you know the lockdowns first started, goodness, a year and a half ago. And I kind of forgot how to do it. I forgot how to interact with people. It's it's the weirdest thing. So uh, more practice, please. I think is the is what <laughs> yeah. we're saying. Yeah. So this is this is great. I really appreciate you coming uh, down to the Halley. Uh, thanks. Shout out to the Halley uh, for letting us use their studios again. Um, I actually think this is going to be one of the most listened to episodes on my on my podcast because this is going to go into the what I call the basics section, and you're going to teach people stuff they need to know. Yep. Uh, and I, I mean I. Th- uh, you know, I, I do a few different things. One of the things is I work with a record company and they have a whole department doing this stuff. And, uh, and of course, that's not a luxury that everybody normally has. Uh, and it's, it gets talked about so often. People are desperate to try and figure out how they can attract more people to listen to their music, to make the decision whether or not they might like it and therefore become a fan mm. in an ongoing way. And so it's a, it's a really important thing. And of course, in some ways, has been made slightly easier in, in recent times, which we'll get to with sort of, you know, technology and the different mm-hmm. platforms. Um, but uh, but still, that you still need to know what you're doing. Uh, I've tried it for this podcast and failed, uh, I think, or at least I don't really know, I think is, is part of mm. it. So, uh, uh, so I'm actually probably going to be sitting here learning as we go. So, um, but first of all, let's just set the scene. Um, tell us about your company, The Label Machine. What is it that you do there? Uh, so The Label Machine was set up to help music artists and music artist managers um, that want to go and in, independently release their music on their own record label um, to sort of take them all the way from 
having no record label and, and sort of no releases out to having a fully fledged record label, putting their own music out, um, their own audience, um, their own uh, merch platform, everything that goes around that. And it was, I've done a lot of that stuff in the past as a music manager myself and running record labels. So it was kind of, it's, it's essentially an education platform um, with access to other professionals that, that um, deal with that. And, and, uh, you know, I wanted to, instead of helping out the few, which is what I was doing, like the very classic music manager, this allows me to help like loads of people at the same time, the, the many. So instead of helping out the few, I help the many. And yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And so one thing as well that I've, I've realised that I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't realise would be such a thing as the classic, when, you, when you're dealing with artists normally and it's one-on-one, it's a very thankless job. Um, that, you know, you do all this work and they'll get an award or, you know, they'll get this agent, they'll do a t- sellout tour and very rarely will they turn around and go, oh, thank you so much for all the hard work. You know, an artist is can be very, you know, egomaniac, egotistical? Egotistical, and And it's like, well, it's all because of me, 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 right? Right, right, right. But with the label machine and helping out um, other artists and set things up, I, I don't know why, why, why it's different or what the shift is. But I just get so much like, thank you so much for this. Like, you know, I I wouldn't have known how to do any of this. Like, everything you've done here is incredible. And it's really amazing. And like, thank you so much. Like, I get so much more. I've had so much more thanks and appreciation in the last two years since I've been running this and working with many more artists than what I have in my whole music career before. Um, and not to say, like, my artists in the past have definitely, like, here, comes have, the, here comes the caveat. Here yeah. comes the caveat. They've definitely, you know, uh, they've definitely helped. They've, they've definitely thanked me and stuff. And um, so, uh, and, and in fact, the the biggest one was that um, we had the prototypes DJing at my wedding. Oh, wow. And, and, at, the, and at the very end, you know, they, they pulled me up on stage and, you know, they said, hey, we never really get to say this enough, Nick. And, you know, they said a piece. And that was a very lovely thing to do on my wedding. So, yeah, full disclosure. Yeah. I'm not saying they, don't <laughs> never, they never say thank you, but it, it's, yeah, it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of. Uh, isn't it just because they're more involved now or they're having to be more involved? They're having to understand what's going on with their, their music. They can't just be in a studio and think that everything else is being taken care of because they can't rely on just billboard advertising getting a radio plugger in you know just turning up doing an interview and walking away again that they're, they're having to be much more involved whether it's through social media and, and mm. presenting their personality or their studio persona in a, mm. in, a, in a way that's much more about coming from them rather than have just the team doing it yeah and and i think there's this myth that you know as an artist you know you just you're in the studio being creative all the time and being inspired and, you know, you've got this whole team around you taking care of all the other stuff. And what I've discovered is all the artists I've worked with that have gone on to be huge successes, that they they are almost naturally entrepreneurial. They get it's not just about the music in the studio. You know, they get that they've got to reach out to an audience. They've got to do music videos. They've got to show up on social media. They've got to do all these extra things. And you even look through history as well and, like, the greats like David Bowie, Alton John, um... Uh, even Kurt Cobain, like when you dig down, they got it. Like they understood you had to do all the branding. You had to connect with an audience. It's not just about what you do in the yeah. studio. And they were very hands-on and they were very, you know, they were, they, were, they took leadership in that area. And, and I think that's, you know, that's something I try and explain to most artists. Like you do need to wear both hats. Um, 
and not all the time as well. When you're starting out, you definitely do, but there's areas and you know there'll be periods in life when you don't. You're on tour. You just you're right. All the team is going to take care of it. All you do is focus on playing great shows, um, or you're going to go do an album for a month and you go and just focus on that. But there, you, for you to be a success, there's going to be definitely periods throughout your career in which you have to. Um, understand both the creative side and the business side of the music industry. Yeah, very good. And, okay, so before we get into some more of the specifics, and you've kind of alluded to, to some of your past experience there, but what, what was your journey like coming into the music industry? How did, how did, how did you enter? So um, I started out, I mean, I guess the first thing was when I was at university and I was working as a radio DJ and at the local university radio station, UFM, shout out, who's still doing their things down in Hamilton, New Zealand. New Zealand, that's where I'm from. Oh, that's, goodness. That's, that's you the go. accent. You're a long way from home. I'm a long way from home. And I went part, I, I was I was walking part, I was in the studio and there was a magazine called Future Music. And on the front of the magazine, it said, how the Chemical Brothers make beats. And I, and, and I was a big Chemical Brothers fan. And I was like, yeah, like, how do they? Or so it's how to make their music. Because I was like... It's not a band. And this is like, you know, before kind of electronic music was a big thing. And so I picked up this magazine. I started like, oh, my drum machines, compressors, synthesizers. Yeah. And uh, and then this was when you had the um, Rebirth, which was like the kind of first software emulator of the 909 and the 808 oh, and the 2303. a lot of time playing on that when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, so I, you know, I started playing around with that. And that was a kind of the beginning. And then I said, I met a guy who was at jazz school and... It was the Battle of the Bands had just finished and I remember looking up at the at the winners and going, wow, that was really cool. They're on stage. And I, I turned around to my flatmates and I said, I'm going to win Battle of the Bands next year. Oh, And they were like, what? <laughs> you can't even play music, Nick. <laughs> and I was like, you just watch. And um, and I met this guy and, you know, I put, and this is where my first experience of like once you, put, once you decide to do something and if you just go all in, the universe will conspire to to give you what you want. Um, so, yeah, and so I, I met this guy, Mark um, Payton, who is, a, is amazing, um, uh, jazz musician, and, and he was he was a big Bex fan, and he was discovering music, and we bought synths and drum machines. Anyway, we started this thing called the Acid Breakers, and it was somewhere between the Chemical Brothers and Beastie Boys, so we sort of rapped over, like, 